Hello, hello, hello. This is Hank Smith with From the Gut Podcast. We are about to do episode number 16. Man, 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 I'm really excited about that. First and foremost, I'd like to thank the Great Spirit for allowing me another day sitting here doing this and being on this planet and enjoying my life. Um, I always like to bring Great Spirit in. Come on down, come on down, come on down, Great Spirit. Just uh, help us be... Um, part of a solution and start instead of an, an opinionated problem um today's going to be a really really deep day we're going to go deep into some um something that's a very painful topic for a lot of people to talk about but that's the whole point of from the gut podcast is to get down in that gut man 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 let's just uh let's just prepare for this one anyway first is the flute of the day this is my trusty, trusty old Butch Hall E minor. Nice, nice little feathers hanging there. All righty. Flute of the day, always from the gut. Oh yeah, some good old caffeine coffee. For those of you that drink coffee without caffeine in it, I just don't get you people. But, more power to you. If that's how you live your life, then bam, I love it. But I love my coffee with caffeine in it too. Alrighty, alrighty. Sponsor, first and foremost, and it's the only one I'm going to mention today because I'm just, I feel that this one is a is a personal episode and we're going to get a little personal, but our one and only sponsor today is the MojoHomesteadFL.com. If you're wondering what we do out here on our farmstead, that's the place to go look up some information and see how cool it is on the Mojo Homestead. Basically, me and my wife moved out here. Um, we moved out here just a little over three years ago. And so everything you see on that website, we did. Her and I did. And 99.9% of it, we did just her and I. And there's a lot of stuff there. There's a lot of buildings built. A lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of infrastructure. You know, there's, uh, when we came here, it was trees. And um, we just started from the ground up and uh you know did some pretty cool stuff all right first i'd like to talk about how i'm doing today um i'm pretty good today i woke up 
again on the right side of the bed. And I just feel that today's a good day and we're going to do good in it. And I mean, I really don't have a whole lot more to say about that. I'm For some reason, it was on my heart this morning to wake up and, and um, tackle the topic we're going to talk about today. And not because I'm in that mode, but just because just something something got me yesterday and it was a very strange um feeling that came over me that I was just worthless and and nothing mattered and and uh you know it was pretty tough that afternoon something hit me. I don't know what it was. I don't know where it came from but you know I did a good a good had a good day yesterday and then all of a sudden it just like out of nowhere and I think that's part of what you know guys like and girls like me suffer from is we have this this um this I don't know if it's a button or is it a um you know just part of the spirit that that um has a uh fuck man I have a hard time explaining this because there's there's no words for it there's no um no explanation of what happens. I mean, I can try. I can try my best to put it on there, put put the words to it. So basically, I was, you know, most of the day, I, I was great. And then about maybe 5 o'clock yesterday, 4 o'clock, I was helping my wife do something. And again, I, well, first of all, this has nothing to do with anybody else but me. But I was helping her do some farm work. And then, um, you know, I'm sitting on my tractor and it just, it just, uh, something just hit me and and now I'm going to go ahead on the limb here and wonder if being on my tractor sparks some kind of feelings in me because I will tell you this when I drive my truck I have a different outlook when I'm in that vehicle than when I do when I drive my little little small Fiesta car um for some reason, I just, you know, I got that uh, different feel. That's why when you pay for insurance on one versus the other, you, you pay way more for the hot rods than you do, you know, just a regular old little little car, you know. But that's just the way they the way they see things. So I guess, you know, being on my tractor yesterday sent me into some weird place, and then I, I couldn't quite put my finger on it and— I was driving away from the house to go up the driveway to do something on the driveway. And my first thought was, man, I'm not sure I should even do this. It's been, it's a rain season, you know. But the driveway's getting pretty rough because it's rained like 40 days straight here in Florida. Um, but anyway, <laughs> as soon as I'm driving up the driveway, it just started pouring down rain. So I kind of got in this gut feeling yesterday. It just sucks, man. And so anyway, that's that's where I'm at. But today I woke up this morning and it was very, very different. And so I wanted to throw that out there. And, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to go into this topic today. Second, I'd like to say, how are you doing? I always ask. <coughs> Excuse me. And if you're watching the video of this podcast, you know, go down in the basement and leave a comment. Tell me how you're doing. We want to hear how you're doing. We want to know how the people are doing. And if you're listening to the podcast, you can reach us at hanksmith904 at gmail.com and also mojohomesteadfl.com and 
here is the new one from the gut podcast.com that's f r o m t h e g u t podcast.com um yeah so i always like to ask how you're doing and so we'll just uh we'll we'll hear some topics and um and I and I would like to reach back out to you, but so I just can't wait any longer. It's um, it's been on me. So today's topic is the uh, suicide prevention, and our secondary topic is beating the odds of addiction. Um, when I first started looking into this topic this morning, now I'll say this: I've done massive amounts of research on suicide, suicide prevention. <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Just being out in the rain got me yesterday. But I've done massive amounts of research on this. And I look, I'm not talking about a couple. I'm going to readjust here, guys. I feel like I'm blowing blowing up some volume level here. I'm going to move my trusty AKG C214 microphone back a little. It's a little hot today. Um... So, yeah, I've done massive amounts of research, and I'm going to start with the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Um, that, that number, and I have no affiliation with them. I just want you all to know that I'm very open-minded to giving both sides of any story. Um, I don't always agree with the way these... these um, entities do business and how they handle it and because there's so many protocols when it comes to this and in my eyes the only protocol is that you're feeling suicidal and you should be immediately placed on the number one list um, no matter what you tell them or say in my opinion if you if you have a the the desire to call a suicide hotline you should be immediately talk to till the end of your conversation till you're done <clears throat> man so yeah I'm a little um, a little put off by these um, these organizations because they, once they organize that that's the downfall of anything once it organizes so anyway here's the number the hotline number is 1 800. Two seven three eight two five five. And again, I am not in affiliation with anybody other than Hank Smith, the From the Gut podcast, and the Mojo Homestead FL.com. I mean, that's it. That's it. That's my affiliation with other people. I got a couple little sponsorships, but, um, you know, technically I'm supposed to mention them. I'll mention them in the end, though, if I remember. So here's the thing. I'm going to start with the suicide rate on native lands, on reservations. Um, American Indian teenage suicide is at a massive, staggering rate of 42% of teenagers. Now, I don't know if you understand the number 42%, but that's almost half of the teenagers. It's over 33%, which is a third. Um, you know, I'm not going to try to give anyone a fucking math quiz here, but the ideal situation would be bring that down drastically. Okay. 
Now, I've been working on this program called um, Teens Make a Stand, T-M-A-S, T-M-A-S, Teens Make a Stand. And there is a subcategory of that. It's called Indigenous Teens Make a Stand, I-T-M-A-S, I-T-M-A-S. And I've been working on this for some years now. Um, you know, I've carried these this, this um, horrible condition around my whole life of thinking I wasn't good enough. And if you've at all listened to this podcast in the previous episodes, you'd understand why. I mean, I went deep into the gut. I don't have a problem telling people that, you know, I've been fucking beat on and molested and abused and held in captivity. I mean, just whack shit, crazy shit. Watch my brothers and sisters and mother and father and aunts and uncles all die off of, you know, way earlier than they should have because of some sort of... um other topic we'll get to that in the next segment but you know the ideal situation would be to bring the native suicide rate down now my my theory is like look i'm i'm american indian i have a few other mixes in me <clears throat> but i uh i have a soft spot on this topic because it's almost as if they feel this is the only way out of this shit this country has put them through and it's absolute disgustingly horrible so if you give a shit um you know chances are if you're listening to this podcast with this title you give a shit if not it's um entertainment so this is just entertainment for you but i mean fucking go watch another podcast somewhere because today's episode is not really entertainment it is about a epidemic in this country that is so brutal we are watching the world collapse over some stupid fake fucking shit they're trying to make us believe that we're all dying from a disease and what we're really dying from is the government shit that's what's happening we are falling like sheep under a mask when we should be worried about the people who are fucking killing themselves by the drones the numbers are 10 times higher. And it's just unfucking believable that we're more worried about mask shaming than we are the person that's sitting at home without their mask on with a fucking gun in their mouth or a knife up to their neck or a fucking razor blade on their on their wrist. So, you know, we got to look at the reality here. The reality here is we've been duped, okay? We've been duped into the fear tactics and what do fear tactics create more of? more death by suicide and it's just the growing number the numbers are staggering do yourself a favor go look up all that shit because i mean i'm not going to tell you all that i don't i don't really care about you know the the uh the media outlets ability to fucking hide shit from you and me they do that they let us see what we want to see and that's it but go check out the numbers of the staggering 42% on native lands. Like, I mean, fuck. I'm going to say the government native lands because it's all native lands. Um, so, yeah, let's go just to the general population. The general population, the suicide rate is staggering. I mean, any loss is staggering. And it's it's horrible. Man, it's horrible. So, you know, I've, I've conditioned myself over the years 
with uh, suicidal thoughts, and I have, and what I mean by conditioning myself. If you call the suicide hotlines, okay, now, like I said earlier, I'm I'm open to both sides if both sides are useful, okay. As it's just like treatment, okay, and yeah, I'll fucking throw you son of a bitches under the bus because when I first went to try to get clean, I my mother took me to five treatment centers that day. I had needle tracks all over me. I was still high. I was, you know, I weighed 117 pounds. And that's very small for a a 5'11 guy. I I mean, that's just, I was bones. I was shitting and pissing blood, coughing up blood. It was gross. But they did not see me as a immediate need for treatment case the number one reason and and prepare yourself for this the number one reason insurance we didn't have insurance my mother did not have a, a policy of insurance that would put me in a treatment center so i was left to the devices of a 12 step fellowship which in my opinion and i've said this a million times if you were addicted to anything, the 12-step fellowship is the way to go because treatment centers are full of fake shit. They're full, full of it. If you want to challenge me, come on, bring it. Because I'm here to tell you, unless you've popped a needle in your arm with a, a massive load of fucking heroin and cocaine and speed mixed and then followed that up with some Jack Daniels in a syringe to come down from that shit... You got no way of helping me. You cannot help me. You cannot help me. I'm here to tell you, you cannot help me. And it's been proven hundreds and hundreds of times over. And that was in 1994. In 2021, you give people drugs to get off of drugs. Is This don't sound fucking stupid. I don't know what does. Okay, so, you know, backing up a little bit, 1994, September 1st, 1994, go to five treatment centers, five, one, two, three, four, five treatment centers in every single one of them. First question, what's your insurance company? Oh, well, Mr. and Ms. Smith, the the idea here is to to take people in who immediately need treatment and your son's willingly coming in here with you. So he, he doesn't need as much. And what it was, was a horseshit bullshit line. Okay. And you know what? It's the greatest thing that ever happened. Thank you. Treatment centers for turning me down for money. Thank you. Because I went and found real help. Someone came out of that last treatment center with the little business card that said the name of the fellowship, the 12-step fellowship. And if y'all know me by listening to this podcast, I don't talk about that shit in the public because it says anonymous behind the names of all of them. And guess who follows the traditions of that? I do. So it's anonymous. But it had the number, her, a, a, a phone number. I don't know what, like I never called the number. I just went to the address at fucking eight o'clock. And it was a 12-step fellowship that had been around for a very long time in that location. And I'm so grateful that I found that last treatment center that turned me down. And that lady gave me that business card with her name and a phone number and address. And again, 
I don't even know what happened to the card. I never called the phone number. It could have been hers. Could have been a fuck. Who knows what it was? But it's that's not the point. The point is, is when I went to that meeting that night, I never looked back. I've been clean since 1994, September 1st, 1994. So the point I'm trying to make is when you call this National Suicide Prevention Hotline, there is a protocol they have to go through. And inside that protocol is probably a bunch of college people who have graduated this never thought about suicide in their whole fucking privileged existence. I'm not saying everybody that works there is privileged and they, you know, just nice college, whatever. I mean, let's, I wish I wouldn't even have said that because it has nothing to do with it. But the idea is for people without the intent have formally had the intent to kill themselves does not understand what you are going through. It just is not there. You don't have it. You don't know how to help somebody. Here's what you know how to say. Page 315 of blah, 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 blah. Hello, Mr. Smith. I, you're calling the hotline. Do you have a date? Date. Um, let me tell you what a date is. A date is when I was six, seven, eight years old. My father was molesting me and beating me. Stripped me down butt naked and beat me. You want to, Which date do you fucking want? Which date do you want where my father had sexual activities with me? And then beat the fuck out of me. And then abandoned me. See, so here's the reality. Which date are you talking about? Are we talking about the date that the real shit happened to me? Are you talking about the date when I was born into a family that was so gruesome and so fucked up? That we didn't even talk about it to any family members, much less the neighbors, the school, none of that shit. So, a date. They're talking about what date you've written down for you're going to kill yourself. You know, I was going to kill myself every fucking day. Which, pick a day. Just pick a fucking day. Any day. Pick, pick September, or so, uh, August 31st, 1994. I mean, I had a date. I had a fucking gun in my mouth and I was shooting heroin and smoking crack. That, that was my date. So I go to the next day to these treatment centers and they're like, oh, well, you're not in any harm's way. You're willingly here with your mother. Wait a minute. What about last night when I had the gun in my mouth? What about the night before that? What about a month before that? The whole time I was, you know, holding these guns, cleaning these guns. And I swear to you, this dude had hundreds of guns. The biggest gun collection I've ever seen. They were all illegal and they were all traded for crack and heroin. But guess what? They were there and I was cleaning them and playing with them. And every single time... Every single time I would clean one, I would think about ramming that fucker down my throat and blowing the back of my skull out, you see, because it was my way out. And as long as the dope was coming, I was okay until I was not. So my date was every day. You know, a couple years prior to that, I had an old van. I'm sitting out my driveway. Had a gun in my hand, a shotgun, sawed-off shotgun. I was gonna take the back of my fucking head off. You know these things, man. You don't know how many times I've been riding down the road, depressed, at the end, no money, wishing I could feed my kids. You know, if you ever stopped at a McDonald's dumpster, 
to get a few bites of a burger out to give your fucking little kid, you know what date we're talking about. All those days. There's no 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 amount of of dates that I wrote down to kill myself. I, so the protocol is a sickening existence at best. Because when people call, if if, if you don't line up with their protocol, then you you can't get help. And not because they're not going to offer it because you don't want it, because you immediately say to yourself, um, well, fuck, they can't help me. I'm, I, don't, I haven't written down a date. Well, let me go so I can write a date down. I'll call you back. Like, does this not sound absurd? For you people out there that have the gumption to not kill yourself and have had, you know, past... Um, um, progress where you, you go through these times where you want to, you, then you then you make it, then you survive, and then you make it, then you survive. And here's a even here here's a, here's a the aspects that not a lot of people talk about is the existence of a shadow of a life for someone who is suicidal. It's just hard. It's fucking hard. And if you have never experienced that, you don't know. You don't know. You don't get it. You know, you just don't get it. Like, why can't you just not do that? And, and let me tell you something. That's the answer. Just don't do it. But you don't feel that. You don't feel that. Well, I just won't do it. You feel like you want to do it. So, I, again, I, I'm not against anybody trying to help. But what I'm against is people having to go through protocol. Now, I'm almost positive that there is a a system in place to weed out. That means to grab something and pluck it from its roots. That, that's weeding out, okay, if you really get technical. Or that's not even technical, that's basic. You rip something from its roots, throw it away. They want to weed out the people who are not serious. Um, let me tell you when I was not serious about actually killing myself. Maybe the first or second or third time I thought about it. Because it was just a thing. It was a thing. I, as a matter of fact, I remember hearing my one of the guys my brother partied with. Took his own life. Jumped off a bridge in, in somewhere in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And we know it was suicide because it was fucking 3 o'clock in the morning. Very late. I don't, sometime at night and just not like, lady, let's go swimming and jump off the bridge. Because we used to do that shit. But what I'm talking about is a guy who fucking took his own life. And okay, and I think I was eight, seven, eight years old, and I remember hearing about this. And my brothers and sisters were crying, and they, and uh, the guy's name was Dover. And it was, and I asked my brother, I said, what, what is suicide? What does that mean? He goes, oh, dude, that's when you kill yourself. Why would people do that? He said, man, he was really sad. I'm like, well, fuck, I'm sad. Am I going to kill myself? Um, you know, when I got a little older, I was after my mother and father had split up, you know, the the drugs had taken off, and, and I think I was about 12 years old, and my next-door neighbor, the girl I was kind of, you know, flirting around with, playing around with, it goes more than that, but we'll just keep it at that, um, her father blew his brains out in the apartment next door and we were all partying. We hear, bam! 
and the, you know, ambulance police came, they took him away. And I can only imagine what was going through anyone's head around there that, that, uh, that experienced that. It, it just, you know, but anyway, that was the birth of the suicide I felt because throughout the next couple of years, I was really abused sexually and by taken advantage of by adults who love having little kids around who like to party. You know what I'm talking about. If you're one of those people that like to have little kids around that like to party so you can fuck with them. And, uh, you know, that's, that's fucked up. Okay. So yeah. So I experienced, a few years of that and then getting beat up real bad by people and, and abused and held hostage. And uh, I wouldn't really call it, you know, hostage in a cage, but it was tied up and uh, done really, you know, I don't know, fun things too. Yeah, whatever. You get the point. Um, so the sickness had set in and many years of that, you know, was every time shit would get rough. You know, if you have that thought, you know, I mean, why can why not? You know, it's just got to be better over there. Um, you know, but now I don't, I don't want to make this all grim, okay? Because the idea here is that I, I beat that. I, I no longer have those thoughts, ever, ever, never. I spent twenty years of my life wanting to cook myself, and then all of a sudden, it was the day I got clean and I started living a spiritual principled life, some sort of foundation of, of something greater than me. Because when we're in a suicidal mode, it's 100% about us, 100%. It's a very selfish act. It's a very selfish thought, but it doesn't change the value of why you're thinking it, okay? Some of us have been through some really nasty, rotten, you know, just, just gross stuff, so... So the, another thing I want to talk about is the majority of these websites, you, you, uh, you go, uh, just do it. Do the G word where you search for things. I don't talk about that word. Um, but you go search on the internet, type in suicide prevention, and watch all the ads pop up. Like, this is a fucking business. Just so you know, <clears throat> two things. One, if you're suicidal and you have a hard time or you're just thinking about it and you call and you're just a number. You're just a number. And two, if you're one of those websites that have ads before a fucking phone number, fuck off. Like, are you serious? These are people's lives we're talking about. And you want money? You want ads running across? You got to dig. One site I went to, I dug through two pages, full pages, before I got down to even a phone number. And then the phone number was to a company who built treatment centers, who made treatment centers. It wasn't even a, it wasn't even a hotline. It was a, you call these, this treatment company. And then right below it, it says dial 911, you know, all that shit. You know, I mean, everybody knows you can just dial 911. Um, but, you know, you're still a number there. But here's where you're not a number. You're not a number right here. You're a human being with really fucked up thoughts that need help finding a spiritual entity to place into your life in that big giant hole in your gut. And when you think of the hole in your gut, I want you to think of the entire universe. 
Because if you can get out of this body through this head, out, that hole in your gut is all that fragmented shit of your soul that has been beaten and broken and stifled and trapped. And every time you experience something shitty, a little piece of your soul goes over into this defrag box. I call it the defrag folder. And it lives there until you decide to make changes in your life and go get that. You have to go get it. It's called soul retrieval. You have to go get it. You have to physically make efforts to go get your fucking soul back. Okay? And that's the part of all this that they don't tell you. They don't do that. They get you in a treatment center and pack you full of dope. Because they can keep you there forever. If you, if you at all feel relief, then you're hooked for life. You're, you're their new fucking fish bait. And they bring these meds in. And I can't wait till you fuckers start coming at me with, well, oh, this is wrong. You can't tell people that shit. You know what? I'm fucking living proof. And I'm in a, a very large group of people who are also living proof that the stop of suicide begins with someone helping out to help you find your spirit, not the, 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 the sickness itself. The sickness itself, you know it's there. You've felt it. You have experienced it. You probably know someone who has actually committed suicide. Most people do because the number's so great. And you'd think if the, if the world government, any government that you live under, and you live under a government, I don't give a shit where you are, who you are, where you live. If they gave a shit, that would be priority one. Not who said the N-word or who fucking said the gay word or who said this or who said that on their fucking Twitter 20 years ago or who gets to be elected next month or what their salary is going to be or who should be president. I mean, fuck all that shit. So let's help the people because the people's the only thing that matters. I mean, these people are fighting for a system that doesn't include people, which is the system. It doesn't make sense. So when we get down to the real, real, real fucking Jim Diggity, that's is when you're going to make a decision to continue down that road or you're going to make a decision to make a change. And I'm telling you, there is no chemical solution for a spiritual problem. It doesn't exist. There is no chemical solution for a spiritual problem. It doesn't exist. How do I feel about these hotlines? You know what? Would I rather you make that phone call than fucking harm yourself? Absolutely yes. Make the phone call. Because no matter what they say to you, no matter if they say you're not in protocol, you, you're not in, you know, harms where you haven't made a date, like which is the dumbest shit I've ever heard. But you did make the call, which means you do want help. You know, if you ever tell someone, get with them and tell them, hey, I've thought about committing suicide or I've thought about harming myself or I'm a cutter, you know, like that, that's the beginning stages of anything going downhill. You know, people who aren't going downhill do not harm themselves or others. That's just a little fact of information. If you harm yourself or others willingly or unwillingly, because sometimes you're not 
you, you really don't want to do that. You just, you just, it's the mindset and the mental, men, the mode you're in. <clears throat> so I'm always about a spiritual connection and a spiritual um, road that you can take to, to find, find some sort of help, you know, find a, Find somebody who believes a little different than you, and then you can start walking that path. You know, the spiritual path is definitely way more um, useful, and and um, I think it renders better results, honestly. But to get you to not think, go 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 hit your you know your call center and and go to a treatment center, please for God's sakes, do something. But you know, I'm not here to say don't ever do that because you know what it has saved some people it has and if anything can help anything can help i'm a fan of that whether i'm saying it or not or i'm saying you know something else and you go do a different thing but if it helps for god's sakes that's the answer that is the answer to this problem to this devastating deadly disease I beg you, I beg you, I beg you, get some help. Don't do this. Don't, don't go down this route. You know, so how many times have I thought about committing suicide? Uh, there's not a book thick enough to write all the dates in it. But did I do it? No. I, I've done it with drugs and a syringe, Put a syringe in my arm one night, and the guy sitting there said, "Bro, you're about to die." And I said, "Good." And I pushed that fucker in. You know why? Because it was for both of us. It was supposed to be for both of us, which would have been a heavy load for each. <clears throat> Something just pushed it on in. It didn't stop halfway. I just rammed it on in there first bam and I was out and then you know I've I've talked about this a lot I've you know and I died right there it it killed me they had to you know had to hit me with the juice you know and, and bring me back and there was some some strange shit that went on before Hank came home if that makes sense and uh, we'll talk about that some other time but so, you know, the, the, um, I think to wrap up this, this whole suicide prevention is, it's like, listen, man, whatever you got to do, get some help, please get, get with us, get with us, you know, email me. I will give you my phone number. We will talk. We will talk. We need spiritual help for this kind of shit. You know, a good shaman, good spirit shaman, a good, good firekeeper. Someone who understands the flame and knows how to get answers out of fires. They're all there. You know, I talk about opening up, great spirit opening us up. We go out, we receive information. And some of that information is that I come here to talk to you about these things. The information is it's time to get public. We all got to get public. We got to get public because inside of our own creepy little fucking minds is where the damage is done. We got to get public. I'm here. I'm I'm public. You want fucking help? Call me. I'll talk to you. Give me your information. Put your fucking email address down there on that goddamn screen. If you're listening to the podcast, it's hanksmith904 at gmail.com. 
<coughs> or from the gutpodcast.com or uh, mojohomesteadfl.com. I mean, for fuck's sake, there there's so many ways to contact us. Look me up on Facebook. I'm right there. But man, I'm telling you, this this has to be some sort of change in life. You know, the the um, the categories of, of the organizations and their protocol is, is sickening. Um, do I have the answers for that? No. You know, if some, you know, young person, very young, calls and says, oh, I don't feel good, I want to kill myself, but they have no clue what they're talking about. I'm 90% sure, only 90. That's a large gap of why I'm not so sure. But I'm 90% sure it's to you know, do their weeding out. And, the you know, some of the things that I've said to those young people are disgusting at best. So, let's move on. I want to, uh, you know, let's let's just real quickly talk about the, the self-suicide, the group suicide, and family suicide. And that's, that's where, um, that's where, you know, one person will just take their life or... Some sick bastard will go and kill a bunch of people and then kill himself. And then someone will take their family and kill all of them and then kill themselves. Like, it just, it's horrible. It's horrible. It's absolutely fucking devastating. Devastatingly horrible. Very, very, very sad. Um, you know, man, just reach out. Just that's, I can't say it enough. If you're If you're having just deep dark depression or sadness that's that's you know mortifying your body just turning you into a fucking frozen you just paralyzed you can't move past it like reach out to us man i mean you know what just leaving a comment down below of hey man i feel you bro like i mean sometimes that's all it takes some other person is going to see your comments or some other person is going to understand that there are other people out there. And I'll tell you, to be public about this, my intent is for you to understand that you can go public too. And that's where the help is. The help is in numbers of people who have been through or going through or have done things that are so crucial to the existence of a human life. That's where the help is. You're going to get temporary help at any hotline or any treatment center. Hopefully they don't fuck you up even worse because this next category we're going into, we're going to talk about you guys. So self-suicide, group suicide, and family suicide. It's all very harsh. Um, so yeah, get with us, please. All right, so here we go. Topic number two is beating the odds of addiction. Uh, what do you mean beating the odds of addiction? Well, the odds are you're going to die. You get, you get, it's going to get to a point where, like I did, a few times. That was just one example I just talked about with the overloaded syringe. You know, I was fucking stupid. And you know what? The moment, the moment I pushed that bitch in, I was like, oh, fuck. I wish I hadn't have done that. It's very strange that a lot of people who have attempted suicide no longer try that shit. Because they realize at the moment of truth that it's just too fucking late. And if I had been by myself, I would not be here today. There would be no Hank Smith. 
There would be no From the Gut podcast. There would be no life as I know it. So, beating the odds of addiction. If you are an addict or you're having problems with drugs, there's so many places to go. But, and, and here we go with the punch, punch, jab, 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 punch, punch, whatever the fuck, the way you throw your punches online. Um, here's the reality. The reality is, is people really get help when they find help spiritually. And I don't mean a religious, you know, whatever. If that works for you, boom, go do it. Get off the fucking sauce, baby. But I'm here to tell you, if you don't find a spiritual solution to a chemical problem, you're probably not going to make it. It's not going to last very much longer. So, again, there's no chemical solution to a spiritual problem. The problem is, is our spirits have died. Most of the people in the world have had hardship. And when you put drugs into the pipeline of feelings, it's, it's deadly, okay? And a lot of people start out with fun factor. I'm pretty sure I started out with a fun factor, but I had the ultimate teacher of how to abuse people, which was my father. Yeah, I will say this, you know, I've, I've said on a different episode, my father taught me one thing, and that was how to abuse people, abuse, you know, really abuse people. But he also taught me how to make real amends, not, not, you know, a, a bring, hello, yeah, is this so-and-so from 1994? Yeah, uh, well, this is Hank, you know, I've kind of fucked you over, I'd like to make amends for that. Oh, man, yeah, okay, thanks. Or, you know, go fuck yourself. Hope you die, motherfucker. You know, I mean, I've, I've, heard, I've heard all that, too. But the real, the real situation here is when you make those amends, like my father did, when he started telling me about things I didn't even fucking know about. Not in a vicious or, or you know, please forgive me way, but what he did. And in the 12-step fellowships, we have two steps well three that that require this attention the fourth step is you know you made a um you, you made an inventory personal inventory of how you know whatever whatever your inventory is you just write it all down you find out what what's there in the bank and then the eighth the ninth steps you made a list of people you had harmed you became willing to make amends to them all except when to do so would injure them or others that's the key and then in number nine we made direct amends to those people. Now, I have worked a lot of steps, and I've worked a lot of steps with you know people who I sponsor. But the the fucking eighth and ninth step I watched my father deliver was no holes barred. The absolute wide open best amends step I've ever seen, heard, heard of, or experienced. Because this man talked about deep, deep evil that was done to him and that he had done to all of us and other people. He told me about things that that you couldn't imagine. You know, my father was American Indian. He had a part American Indian and he was in the KKK and he did dirty shit okay 
It's nothing I'm fucking proud of. That's not my story, you know? And it seems like society these days loves to hang motherfuckers for their ancestors' stories. Well, there's something for you to hang. Fucking hang me. I don't give a shit. Put me on your fucking canceled list because I don't give a fuck. I'll keep doing what I'm doing and the people who want to hear it will hear it. So I don't care about your canceling shit from something my father, his father, that father did. I'm not proud of it, but it's just what happened. You know, there's a reason they didn't want to claim, you know, native heritage. My mother, Blackfoot, Pygan, great-great-grandmother, full-blooded Pygan. Do you understand what I'm talking about here? They were covering up what the society made them feel was necessary. And my father made all these amends, and he made amends that went back to his ancestors. And he made amends that, that about, you know, to my dead brothers and sisters and my mother, who were all dead, that he could not make amends to. He never had the strength or the power to do it or the ability. But with me, he, he laid it all out there. The shit took four hours. It was a four-hour session where, and I don't mean a session. I didn't speak to him for 35 years. Something happened to me medically. I almost died a you know, few times, flatlined, and was in a coma. And, and then uh, the number one thought as I come out of this coma was, hey, man, you, you, got, you, got, to, you got to talk to this man or you're going to be sick for the rest of your life. But before that date, if I had never went into that, I would have never, man, fuck, I would have never received that phone call. So I said to my daughter after that coma, I need to talk to my dad. And she said, what are you talking about? Are you serious? Like, you hate that guy. So, yeah, I just put in the universe. Put out there in the universe. I said, universe, I need to talk to my dad. And then within a month, the guy calls. Hadn't talked to him in 35 years. So I went to see him the next day. As a matter of fact, that night when he called, I, I, we shot over to Mississippi. I loaded up all my kids and hauled ass to Mississippi. And the next day, I learned something about making amends that I thought I had in place, that I thought I had done. I, I thought that I had made amends for the disease I lived. And I learned right there that I had amends to make to him. Because if you carry around a bowling ball on your ankle for 35 years and talk shit about somebody, I don't care what the fuck they've done to you. You got issues, you know. But I'll tell you, that experience saved my life again. Because around that time, I was toying with suicidal thoughts again. 19 years clean. I wasn't thinking about using See, so the beating the odds of addiction, it, there's other odds inside of the addiction other than drugs. It's just not drugs. Drugs is not the only thing that will kill a drug addict. It's how you feel and what you do with those feelings that's going to kill the drug addict. You might get off dope. You know, a lot of old-timers in these 12-step fellowships go down a scenario where they are... Um, Suicidal. And it's just not, not fucking cool, man, because we get to a part, you know, I always say this to people in the, in the fellowship. I always say, and I'll say it to you right here. You don't have to be in no fellowship to hear this. 
What are you going to do when what you're doing no longer works? And that's the categories we find ourselves in when we want to harm ourselves, is that whatever we're doing, whatever solution we heard a while back that stopped us from doing that for a while, and now we're back at it, what, what are we going to do when that solution no longer works? And 99 out of 100 times, I would say 100 out of 100, when you place a higher power in your life that's a greater power than you, you will not do what you're about to do. I've heard it so many times that the disease of addiction is a six-inch disease. It's between your fucking ears. And that's the surface. Then it goes down to your gut, to your body. And then it hits your spirit. And it dies in reverse. Your spirit dies first. Your body starts to die. Then your mind goes. Some may say your mind went in order to allow you to do these crooked, weird shit to your body. Because that's what you're doing. You're doing criminal, criminal shit to yourself. If you took a human and tied them to a chair and pumped them full of dope and alcohol and, and committed acts of bodily harm to them, you're doing criminal activity. And if you do this to yourself, you are a willing prisoner of the disease of addiction and the deadly shit that it brings. So it's no different. It, it, maybe it should become criminal to try to harm yourself. I don't know. I, you know, it, it's fucked up enough. But if, if, uh, if, if we had some sort of barrier, you know, I mean, you know, scratch the bullshit about the criminal. It's just stupid. It's, it's just a wraparound thought that, that makes no sense. But what really happens is we, we, we penalize ourselves. We go into this prison and we lock the fucking cage and we, we, get, we keep the fucking key in our hand with the lock on the inside of the cage. Can't nobody else let you out. You got to open the cage. This is addiction at its finest. You put yourself in a prison. You hold the key inside with the lock inside. Um, what about treatment? Okay, well, I said I was going to go there. You know, treatment to me is a bunch of horse shit. It's about money now. There's a treatment company that owned five treatment centers. And most of the board of a very famous 12-step fellowship is on the board of directors of these treatment centers. And it's called Cry Help. You do the research. I don't need to tell you. You do the research. The connections of these five treatment centers turned into over 500 treatment centers in five years. I don't know, but that seems a little outrageous to me. And it's all about money. Money. Because I told you about the treatment back in the beginning of this podcast. That... You didn't want to help me in your treatment center because Hank didn't have no money. There was no insurance. There was nobody to rob. So what's happening is the treatment industry has now become the new pill mill where you used to go down to the doctor and get Oxycontin and Oxycodone and fucking Valium, whatever your sauce was. 
whatever it was. I, I don't give a shit. The point I'm trying to make is now to get into the pill mill run, got to go to treatment. And treatment will give you a drug to get you off the drug you're on. Now, I don't know. But to me, that sounds... Uh, you know what? I do know. Okay, I'm not going to play the dumb motherfucker here. I'm telling you, you're killing people. Because it's fucking stupid to think that you're going to take a bunch of people working in treatment centers that ain't never done drugs. Because, you you know, the college-educated motherfuckers, most of them, you know, in these... I know. I've been there. I've stood in treatment centers to go speak to people in a treatment center that you asked me to come do on my free self-time. And then tell us what we can and can't say anymore. So I just stopped. I quit going. I'm not going to go in a treatment center and candy coat my message because candy coated messages kill fucking people. And that's what y'all are doing. You're candy coating messages to murder addicts for money. And you keep them in the pill mill. What I mean by this is you get out of treatment and you take methadone or suboxone or whatever bullshit drug they got you on to keep you off the dope. Oh, it's the lesser of the two evils. Well, a lesser evil is still an evil, okay? It's still addiction. You're still a slave to a pill bottle. If you don't believe me, go over there in, in whatever neighborhood you live in and, and just look up on the internet where the methadone clinic is. Drive down the road and watch the people standing in line. That's the dope line. That is using. And you're not clean. You're not clean if you're on methadone or suboxone. I'm sorry. It's just a replacement therapy. That's all it is. DRT is what they call it. Drug Replacement Therapy. Now they've changed it to MAT, so it looks good on them. Medically Assisted Treatment. Like, are you fucking stupid? Do, do we really have to allow these people to do this? Medically Assisted Treatment, MAT. So they, it, it was called DRT first. Drug Replacement Therapy which meant you replace one drug for another. But just because you change the name to M-A-T does not change the fucking disease of addiction. And it does not change the ability to help a dying drug addict continue on in life disease-free. That's a spiritual connection. The only solution to a chemical problem is a spiritual solution. That's it. It, it. Challenge me, motherfucker. I'm telling you. Because I believe, and thousands and millions of other people believe it too, you guys are full of shit. The treatment industry is killing people. The number one return to treatment is starts with a fuck it. That means I'll just use, I'll just go back to treatment. I can go back after, after I think after 90 days, the insurance companies will pay for you to go again. Like, how stupid is this? And I'm going to tell you, man, there are some treatment centers you can go to that are dry treatment. And I do not stand on any board. Or I do not have any connections whatsoever to treatment centers. But there is one treatment center that I know of in Jacksonville, Florida. If you want to contact me, I'll get you in touch with them. They are a dry treatment center. It means they don't give you any drugs. They don't give you any DRT or MAT. You know, let's let's talk about that DRT, MAT again. So just so everybody's aware, 
DRT became MAT. Drug replacement therapy became medically assisted treatment. It sounds so much better rolling off the tongue. Drug replacement therapy. Drug replacement. 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 Drug. Drug. Replacement. Drug. Replacement. Therapy. 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 Not recovery. Therapy. Oh, well, who can come up with the best name to make it sound better? M-A-T. Medically, like medical. Now, it's medical assisted treatment, not therapy. So, medically assisted treatment. Kudos to you fuckers who came up with that name. Sounds really nice. Rolls off the tongue nice. Medically assisted treatment. Matt. You're still killing people. You are not getting people off of drugs. You're holding them in reserve. It's your money bank. Do the math. Thousands of people a day go to the meth clinic. $13, $15, $17, $25, depending on what meth clinic you're at, what part of town, who's got the most money. It's that much a day, every day, times 365 days. 1,000 people a day times $15 a day, $15,000 times 365 days per meth clinic. And these are the ones who don't work them their way up to weekly people who, in other words, they're, they've proven themselves to get the weekly treatment where they can go in and get a whole thing of it, you know, however you get it, pill form, packs, bottle, whatever. And then you get to leave with the whole week's supply. So you're only there once a week. So that line is still that many people for people who haven't made it to the, to the next level. We trust you with your drugs now. So the disease of addiction is brutal, man, because a lot of people just get clean. Now, a lot of people, there are people who, you know, tampered with drugs and alcohol. And, and I'll just want to say that alcohol is a drug. It's the worst drug. It's the drug that tore me down the fastest every time. I would be strung out on some dope. And then I'll be like, well, shit, I'll just, I don't got no money. I'll just buy a bottle of liquor. And I'll tell you, by the end of the month, I was fucking garbage. It was the worst existence. So kudos to you fucking drunk fuckers out there that love alcohol and, and maintain. So, um, yeah, that's a that's a that's a, a drug that is just the a very vicious killer is alcohol. It is a drug, 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 drug. Just comes in a liquid form. I mean, you know, a syringe full of cocaine is a liquid form. It's it's still a liquid. So you got to look at alcohol as a liquid form. I've put it in needles and shot it in my body. It is a liquid drug. Um, if you want to survive the disease of addiction, you got to put everything down. I belong to a fellowship that believes total abstinence is the only answer to spiritual enlightenment. Now, with that said, I don't endorse or knock anything that can help you. If you can go get help in a treatment center, you're one of those people that can go do what they do. And yeah, I'm, I mean, you know, my heart's out there with you. I, I don't know how to say it, but I'm here to tell you. I'm talking the corporate run of the life of an addict. Your life is worth whatever they make off of you in treatment and whatever they make off of you in the meth clinic line. That's what your life is worth. It's worth no more. But to me, your life is penniless. 
because there is no price to put on a human life. You are worth zero fucking cents to me. But in the spirit world, you're worth eternity and existence of human life in a spiritual realm that will make you so full of life and live a good life. And this goes to anything to do with, um, you know, suicide or addiction or, or, you know, any of that, any of the realm of you want to harm yourself. And, you know, addiction is a form of suicide. Absolutely. More people die of addiction than suicide. But it is a form of suicide. You are killing yourself. And you're killing every time you pack a fucking a needle and you hand that to somebody. Every time you hand somebody a bottle of pills, you are committing homicide. And you're committing fucking personal suicide by doing it. Now, I'll touch on this last subject. When the big pharma started losing the ability to sell trillions of dollars. I don't know what's the number next to trillion. A fucking gazillion or something. That's the amount of money we're talking. When they lost the ability to do that, when the pill mills got shut down, when they, they, all the lawsuits, we're talking that number again, whatever that fucking number is in lawsuits, they were shut down. They had to find a way to get you they had to find a way to keep their clientele. This is Big Pharma now. This is Big Pharma. And the Big Pharma is who's driving force behind treatment centers. Go do your fucking research. Follow the money. Follow the money. You will find out that the Big Pharma is tied to treatment centers. Again, your life is worth whatever the fuck price they put on it. Whatever it costs you to go through a treatment run and, and hold you there as long as they can. But you know who's fucking up those, those programs for them? The 12-step fellowships are ruining your guy. We are putting money. We are stealing so much money from you guys. And guess how much of that money we get? Nada. Zipololio. Zero. As an addict helping another addict, I get nothing. And it's worth billions to you. So I just wanted to throw that out there. But these treatment centers have replaced the pill mills with MAT. MAT is the new pill mill. All right. And it was DRT, drug replacement therapy. Now it's medically assisted treatment. And I'm pretty sure when everybody catches on, they're going to change it to something else. It's kind of like Global warming turned into, um, um, <laughs> shit, <laughs> I lost my train of thought. Um, fuck, climate change, yeah. <laughs> Global warming is now climate change. It sounds better. Uh, we, we can't tell you it's always getting warmer. So we'll just say climate change. It, it kind of settles the, the bet on those cold days, too. You know, the ones that were like the entire fucking countries are freezing over because it's, you know, it's so hot now. So uh, what will we fit our agenda with? As long as it fits the agenda, the words sound better. Global warming. Well, it's not always warming. It's getting colder, too. But climate change is definitely... Now, am I saying that climate change is not happening? I fucking truly believe it is, 100%. There's some shit going on with this world that... Uh, that, that uh, but guess what? You know, 
they had an ice age years ago and, and it, the climate changed. Then it all melted, which means that was another climate change. So it's just what we're going through in the world. You know, there was these, um, the plates shifted and the uh, volcanoes blew up and created mountains and the asteroids hit and they fucking extincted fucking dinosaurs. And just, I mean, and none of that's in order. Please don't quote me on that. But the idea is that the drug replacement therapy becoming, or therapy, becoming medically assisted treatment is uh it's a bit of a stretch and if you fall for that shit you are a sheep wearing a mask definitely you know so here's the reality behind um you know beating the odds of addiction the odds are if you're addicted to drugs and you go and get on a medically assisted treatment program by using more drugs it's dumb the odds are bad the odds are you will not make it now let's not overlook the fact that there are a small number of those people who did make it and is it equivalent to the amount of number of people who did make it in a 12-step fellowship great there is. My favorite one is um, another 12-step fellowship that says we use a certain drug. I don't talk about names of fellowships because it's not important. If you're interested, do the research or contact me personally. But they think a certain drug is a tool for their recovery. Now, imagine if I started a 12-step fellowship and we called it Crack Anonymous because we're all drunks and we want to get off of alcohol. Hey, this is equivalent, okay? This is equivalent. We want to get off of alcohol, so we'll all just shoot fucking heroin or smoke crack. So we're going to call this Crack Anonymous because we think crack is a tool for our recovery because we just don't want to drink anymore. But as long as we're doing this, this therapy replacement replacement medically assisted treatment i mean that's a, a medically assisted treatment we'll just crack or let's reverse it we're all crackheads or needle junkies heroin junkies whatever you're acid freak whatever it is you're into we're all just going to start a medically assisted treatment program where we drink alcohol to not these are shit i went through using I literally put down a needle one time and said, I'm just going to smoke pot because I can handle that and work. And you know what? I did for a little while. I put everything down and and bought me a massive fucking bag of weed or probably took it in saying, hey, I'm going to sell it and then never sold it and just smoked it and owed the guy a fucking couple grand. But the point is, is I did the the, um, drug replacement therapy. I did that. Every time I put some dope down, there was one time I was smoking crack so bad that my friend looked me in the eye and said, dude, if we just start shooting up, man, it's better. It's the, the, the high is better. We will, we'll do half the drugs. And dude, I was fucking stupid enough to fall for that. He was my doctor, my medically assisted treatment therapist. Like, <laughs> And talk about the downfall of humanity after that. So... 
Look, the reality here is, is we can sit here and talk about what's bad as till the fucking days in. But what we can really talk about is the solution. So let's start with this: the suicide solution. Um, talk to people. Get out and talk to people. Find people who are like you. Like-minded people. People who have been through that. People who have drug a razor blade across their arm. People who have stuck a fucking gun in their mouth. People who have tried to commit suicide. One of my favorite stories is I know a guy that tried to blow his brains out. He kind of angled a little too far to the right or left and missed. And fucked half his face up and put him in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. He's one of the biggest... um, what do you call it, the, the uh, advocate for suicide prevention. He made a mistake, but he had toyed with it for years, and that mistake cost him dearly. But what he's also doing is helping thousands and millions of people overcome that shit. So there is that. Drugs, to wrap this up, the addiction problem is between your head, right between your ears, but it just resides there. You've got to find a way to make the Trinity Triangle connect. The mind, the body, and the spirit must be balanced. And right in the middle of that triangle is the soul. And if you can get to that point, you'll get to that soul and we can start that soul retrieval. And you can find it in the fire through fire keepers and, and people who are... are uh, fire workers and who understand the flame and there's medians, there's people who do, you know, healings. Um, again, no one's going to put their hands on you and heal you. It's not, it's not going to happen. But what they will do is they're going to put their hands on you and give you their energy. And they're going to take some of your energy. And you're going to transfer that energy back and forth and during meditation, you receive this information and you trade information. Even though you don't know you got information because you're a very sick person. But during the downfall of any addict or person who is suicidal has these moments where their mind opens and their spirit opens and something comes in. It could be the moment they go, man, I shouldn't be doing this. This is wrong. That was information. And then you get with these people who have went the life and walked the life like myself. I'm no doctor. I'm no doctor, okay? But I do understand the spirit, and I understand addiction. I understand overcoming suicidal thoughts and suicidal actions that I actually tried to kill myself. They are not doctors. Doctors can't help you with this. Now, are you mentally ill? This is, the, this is the segment that should have been here also. Are you mentally ill? If you have mentally ill and you need medications, I can't help you with that. I know my limitations. And if anybody else tells you they can, they're, they're, they're twisted too. There are medical reasons to help people. And hopefully you fucking people who are totally disagree with my thoughts made it to the end of this. To hear this. I do not... I do not believe that a chemical solution is the answer to addiction. But sometimes people have mental illness. That is not suicidal thoughts. Okay, it can lead to that. 
Mental illness is another disease that is hard to get to. But again, any illness, any illness can be healed by spirit. Any illness, even mental illness. There is a way to help people, to help all people through mental illness. But again, if you're a medical doctor and you're helping people medically, good, good for you. But if you are a psychologist helping diseased addicts through a medically assisted treatment program, fucking get a grip. You're not going to save these people. Do you know who saves addicts? Other addicts. Do you know who saves suicide victims? Other people who have been through it. And challenge me, please, for God's sakes. Go ahead. Challenge me. I need that challenge. Because I've been doing this challenge for 26 years. And I've never found a solution other than what I've already walked. And I'm not saying you can't find it. This is for me. This is my story. So if you have the ability to look past the smokescreen lies in front of your face, it's through a spiritual path. I found my spiritual path many years ago. I veered on and off of it. But the path that works for me is the red road. And if you don't know what the red road is, go look on the internet and hook up with yourself. Sit down for a day and understand that the red road is the way of the old shaman's ways. You know, shamanism is very powerful. And it's the thing they won't teach you in a medical school or, a, you know, it's the Western medicine and, you know, I, I challenge all of it. I challenge everybody to find out more information on anything. You know, again, you don't have to listen to me. I don't give a shit. I'm just telling you that my way works because it worked for me. And it's worked for lots of other people. That's the cool part. It's worked for millions of other people. We are being saved by the drones because we're opening ourselves up to a very ancient very ancient way of practicing spirituality. So anyway, uh, I said I would mention sponsors at the end because I try to do that in every episode. Mojo Homestead, FL.com is our homestead and it makes all this possible. This is Zoe Moon Studios we're sitting in. Um, first is this Rode microphone. I'm going to pull it easy. There, that little Rode mic, the mini USB. Well, the box is way over there. But anyway, the mini mic is the audio feed for the video. And if you're listening to the podcast, you're listening through a AKG214 uh, um, condenser microphone. And it's plugged directly into a PodTrack P4, which I did purchase, the Zoom PodTrack P4. But we are in a negotiation for a a, um, a bigger unit. Um so, AKG headphones, free gift they sent to me when they sent this microphone on loan to my studio. We'll see. We'll see. I haven't even tried to reach out through emails anymore. I'm just waiting. And if it happens, it happens. But I'm at the end of the date on that road, Mike. It will go back in less than a week. Um, yeah, I'm just really excited about this podcast. I really am. I want to be able to help people. And, you know... I want the great spirit to, to fully 
come in and, and help in each episode because, you know, opinions are strong. My opinions are strong. I'm a very strong opinionated person, but they are lived experiences. They, they, and when I talk about things, I've been through it. And I will say to you, I don't know about that if I don't know about that. And that, I mean, that's the difference between a spiritual existence and a, and a medical or religious experience. They, people seem to know a lot in those things. That's great. Go do that. And here we're talking about spirit. We're talking about each one teach one, one helping another. And if I can reach one person, and this is the portal opening up. Come, 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 to, come to us. Like, let's, let's talk about this. Let's work on this. Because one portal, one, one coming through and giving me information I need to help me by helping you by helping me, by helping you. It's a reciprocal um, situation where I can't just help you and you can't just help me. We have, to, we have to help each other. That's the way this works. So again, this is Hank Smith with From the Gut Podcast, episode number 16. And peace out. Peace out.